Amen. I'm going to have you stand, so, or you have to stand again, so I might as well just keep us standing. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 23. It's going to be on the screen. This is always an interesting Sunday. It's the last Sunday of the year, and this year it's a little different with Christmas just being uh, yesterday as we come into this final Sunday of the year, looking into um, a new year, and I thought, what should we speak on? And I thought, uh, I was going to speak this morning on a psalm that has been a gift to me this year as we wrap up um, our year, but I think everybody knows Psalm 23, so instead of just me reading it uh, to this morning, it'll be on the screen, um, but let's read together as a church Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks this morning for just your grace on us. Lord, thanks for your gifts to us. Lord, just thanks for yesterday and what we could remember of Christ coming, but also spending time with families and friends and sharing of gifts and receiving of gifts. God, just thanks that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from you. And God, help us just continue to remember that. And Lord, this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray you just encourage our hearts as we look at a very familiar gift of Psalm 23. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I mean, yesterday was all pretty much about uh, gifts for many people. Either you got gifts or you gave gifts or you remembered when you used to get gifts or when people gave you gifts. I mean, that was the whole uh, part of, gi of giving gifts. And so it's still on our minds, but we're also getting ready to wrap up a year. Next Sunday is 2022. The end of 2021, and this morning, I just want us to look at, I think, just a gift. A gift that was a psalm that was a gift to me this year, and a, a gift to us, which is the gift of Psalm 23. A little over 100 words, but it has been a blessing to Christians for generations. Charles Spurgeon called Psalm 23 the Pearl of Psalms. Alex McLaren said the world could spare many a large book better than this sunny little song. It has dried many tears and supplied the mold into which many hearts have poured their peaceful faith. Psalm 23 is not a funeral psalm. Even though every funeral you go to, you'll probably hear someone read Psalm 22, Psalm 23. But, but it's in every funeral 
whether Christian or non-Christian, because it's a gift to the world. These, these, these few hundred words have, have been absolutely cherished by people for, for, for centuries. And I think there's an intuitive sense to Psalm 23. For Christians, we know it. We, we realize it when we read it. Um, even when we struggle to realize the reality of Psalm 23, we still know it's a gift to us. There's just something about the words of Psalm 23 that encourage us. And I think that is the appeal to all of humanity. Even those who don't care about God, even to people who don't call out to God, even to people who don't acknowledge God, there is something about Psalm 23 that just changes it. It comforts them. It calms them. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've sat in hospital rooms with people as the volunteer chaplain and just called into a room, people with absolutely no faith whatsoever. They can talk to me about their situation. They can talk to me about their problem. They can talk to me about their family. And then I would say, can I read some scripture to you? And I'll start to read Psalm 23. And some of the hardest, angriest people, as I start to read Psalm 23, will, will, I'll look up and there'll be tears in their eyes. There's something powerful about this psalms and for the christian and for those of us in christ it's more than just a wish psalm 23 it's an absolute anchor for us even while you are walking in a reality where you wonder if psalm 23 is really true even when, you, when you, you're struggling to believe, as maybe there's been seasons of this past year, that it doesn't seem like Psalms 23 is that wealth of gift to us. But it's kind of like walking on a swinging bridge or even just a glass-bottom bridge. You ever watch those videos? And people go out and it's glass-bottom and they, just, they are scared to death. They're struggling to get across them. They're panicking. And, and ultimately... What's going on with them doesn't ultimately matter. What matters is, is the bridge anchors? What's going on with the anchors for that bridge? That's how Psalm 23 is for us. No matter what's going on with us, how we feel, our, our concerns, our struggles, the reality of Psalms 23 is a reality and a comfort for us, even as we struggle at times to believe the reality that Psalm 23 conveys. For, for, for me personally, this past year, Psalm 23 has been a gift. Psalm 2021 has been green pastures, cliff, cave, bears, lions, attacks, still waters. That, that's, that's how I look back at 2021 and just all these different issues. And there's been times this past year where there's been days that the only thing I could pray was Psalm 23. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd say Psalm 23 over and over and over again. I couldn't read anything else but Psalm 23. The only thing that would come to my mind was Psalm 23. The only thing I would have to offer myself was Psalm 23. And this is what Psalm 23 is supposed to do. So this morning, as we're wrapping up this year, looking to a next year, I just want to lift up the gift of Psalm 23 a little bit unwrap it a little bit, promote it like we all do other gifts. When someone gives you a gift, and they, hey, did you see this? Did you see what it does? Let us look at it again, and then I want you to pack it with you as you go into the rest of this year and into 2024.
22. What is particularly true for a Christian as we prepare to close out a year and Lord willing to start a new one? What is particularly true is that the Lord is our shepherd. That's what's true. The Lord is our shepherd. The idea of God being a shepherd is a motif, it's an analogy, it's a picture all through Scripture, and it's also a picture all through history. If you look at history, uh, great kings would highlight themselves as shepherds of their people. They, had, they would draw paintings of themselves as shepherds of, these, of, of people. This idea of a shepherd and someone in, being over people in, a, in the way that it is presented in Psalm 23 is part of history. And it, it, the reason that that is is because a shepherd, if you know anything about sheep or not, or shepherding or not, which I don't know nothing about it, but what we all know is this, that a, a good shepherd provides provision, he provides guidance, he provides safety, and he provides care. So people have latched on to this analogy of the shepherd in great powerful positions and all through Scripture. And Psalm 23, as many of you know, is a psalm of David who was a shepherd, but this is a reflective Psalm. This is not a psalm written by David when he was a shepherd boy. This is a psalm written by David later on when he's reflecting back, maybe at the end of the year, maybe at the end of a season in his life, and he's sitting back and he was reflecting back on his life, and maybe he was at a meal talking to some friends about what God's done in his life. Maybe he's sitting on a mountain looking over the valley and he sees some shepherds, and that provokes him to think this way. But Psalm 23 is David writing in a reflective way about his life and about how he's been brought through his life. And it's a very personal psalm. All the other psalms are very corporate. But Psalm 23 is an extremely personal psalm. That's how you're supposed to read it. We read all of Scripture together and, and but Psalm 23, it's very personal. It's my shepherd. And there's these eyes and these eyes. And it's written not by some spoiled brat who never had a rough day. It's not the testimony of somebody who had this trouble-free life. It's not the story of this peacetime king. This is a psalm that was written by David who was a neglected shepherd boy, who his brothers loved to give a hard time to, who was a fugitive from an angry king, who had moral failures that marked his life, who was the parent of a rebellious child, who was a wartime king, and who was exiled from his own land. That's the man who sat down, maybe at the end of the year, but reflecting on his life and seeing what God has done. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. All the struggles that David had, one reality was true was David, was that even in his struggles, he was a man after God's heart. He would mess up, he would fail, he would struggle, but God said he was a man after his own heart. And God was his shepherd. And God is our shepherd, is the people of God. We know this. God is the shepherd of his people. This is even from Genesis. Genesis 48, 15 says, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Jacob said that. 
Jacob was this character who was also not living this ultimately peaceful life. He didn't live his best life now. He struggled all the way through. But at the end of his life, when he looked back, Jacob said, my God is the shepherd and has been my shepherd all along this life. So this this morning, I I just want to share with you three things that I feel like God has shared with me that got me through 2021 and that I'm going to hold on to as I get into 2022 from this psalm. You could sit here and read this and the hardest part about preparing this was I get into it I get so excited about something I, I gotta put, put that away uh, and then I gotta I, I gotta oh that's a good too and I had to put that away but I what are some three things that I feel God has helped me with and what does Psalm 23 tell us as we go into this next year as you reflect on this past year Psalm 23 is that the Lord is our shepherd but this is what you need to know as God is our shepherd you have a competent shepherd. Competent means having the necessary ability, knowledge, or skill to do something successfully. To, to be a shepherd in the Arabian desert where David was, I mean, the, it was just absolutely barren land. It was barren, there was bright sun, there was heat, there was cliffs, there was caves, there was all kinds of creatures wanting to kill the sheep. This, this is the terrain that he was dealing with. This is what it was to walk through as a shepherd. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have a competent shepherd. We can be confident that we have a competent shepherd because the, the reason we know we, can have a comp, we have a competent shepherd in God is that it's, it's, it's at the core of who he is. D- David wrote this with the Lord is. And he wrote the big capital L-O-R-D, which is the name that God spoke of himself when he came to Moses in the burning bush. And he, he, he arrived and he appeared himself to Moses and he says, I am who I am. This is the God who is the Lord. He's the one that reveals himself to us. This is the God who's committed to us. People are not looking for God. You, you did not chase God on your own this year. You, you didn't desire God on the, your own this year. If you desired God at all this past year, if you walked with God at all this past year, it wasn't because of your great love for God that initiated that. It was God's great love for you that initiated that and that just kept calling you to him. This is the I am. God is the one who reveals himself to us. He's the, the one that is a committed God to us. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. we got, I got all kinds of wants. There's all kinds of things I want. What are you talking about? I don't want. We all have wants, don't we? And you walk in here thinking, do I lack something? Yeah, I got all kinds of things I, I lack right now. So what does this mean when David's saying, this is, just, this is a joke? The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want? No, it, what it means, it's not what want. It's, it means the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. What do we not lack? When God is our shepherd, we don't lack anything that the shepherd thinks is good for us, which is very good for us. All the things that you went through this past year, this is, there was a very caring God who was absolutely competent all the way. When you walked into a situation, you said, I want this to be different, and he left you in it. It's because he knew that this is going to be good for you. 
you're not going to lack anything. This You have a competent shepherd because God cares. It's who he is, and it's very careful care that he has for us. It says he makes, he leads, he restores. He leads me down green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This is the kind of careful, competent shepherd that you have. In all the barrenness of life, and the bright sun, and the cliffs, and the claves, in the caves, we have a God who's just very carefully leading us. He, he makes me lie down, which means he has a, he has, God has a purpose for you. If you've come to the end of this year totally confused about what just happened, and wondering what is the future or what your plan is, or maybe you're young trying to figure out what your future is supposed to be, or you're getting ready to retire and you're thinking, what am I supposed to do? Well, what, what's my purpose? God has a purpose for you. He, it's, it's been planned. He's guiding it. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 27 says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hand, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God." and perhaps feel their way for him. Wherever God has you right now, that's the place that God wants you to be. He's, he's led you. He's, he makes you in that. He's got a purpose for you. He leads you, it says he, which means he knows the path and the provision. This is what a shepherd does. It wasn't like he'd say, tell the sheep, hey, go. The shepherd would lead the sheep through the cliffs. He would be in the front, watching out, seeing what was in the cave, making sure they got through the narrow step. It's, it's God going before us. He, he leads us in paths. He leads us besides still water. He, he leads us in what means right paths. Not maybe necessarily, he says he leads in the paths of righteousness, which means a right path. That's what the righteousness means which means it may not be the particular path that you want to be on. It may not be particularly the easiest path, but it's the path that the shepherd's leading you to, which is why James is so helpful. In James 2, it's when to count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing the holy god our good shepherd he leads us carefully he makes and he leads on the right path for us which may not be the easiest path but it's a careful care for us because he knows the path that we need to take it and we don't always like that path and we don't always understand that path and we sometimes reject that path and we come to situations and we say we start believing the lies that satan is telling us about the path that god has put us on that he's he's making a way for that he's leading us and we get to situations in our head and satan will lie to us and someone put it well or some of the lies are satan is we'll say this is it you'll never be happy again you will never be strong again. You'll never have vigor and determination again. Your life will never again be purposeful. There is no mourning after this night. There's going to be no joy after weeping. 
All is gathering gloom, darker and darker. This is not a tunnel. It's a cave, an endless cave. You ever had those thoughts run through your brain? Lies of Satan that's saying, hey, this, 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 you're not going to get over this one. You're not going to find happiness again. That's a past gift. And Satan will want to lie to you all these things, but the truth is, the same shepherd that led you and leads you, and when you start to feel that way, it says, he makes me, he leads me, and then he restores my soul. He renews us. How does God renew us? There's many ways, but one of the ways he renews us is by giving us Psalm 23 to read and to savor and to look at. He renews our soul by saying, this is, no, this is good. This is what God's doing. He's, he's leading me. He restores me. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. We have a competent shepherd. You've had a competent shepherd all through 2021, and this competent shepherd is not only competent, he's extremely connected to us because you have a connected shepherd as well. He says, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, that doesn't seem very comforting. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we still have a very connected shepherd in the hard course of life. The valley of the shadow of death is not death. The, the Hebrew of that really is, even though I get led into deep darkness, even though I get led into despair, even though I get led into impenetrable doom, into deathly darkness, even though I start out a year with great hopes and then all these situations and struggles come, that's the valley of the shadow of death. This, this darkness, despair, the depression, in this impenetrable doom, this deathly darkness that we sometimes feel that we may not talk about or we, we people sense and know, we, we are led into it, in, into the hard course of life. We are led into it, it says. But we're led into it by a shepherd who's going before us. And the reason that the shepherd is leading the sheep into it, the reason that God leads us into it, is he's a good shepherd, and he's trying to get us to a better place. He's trying to take us to a better place. That's how you have to look at your situations. We have to say to ourselves, as John Newton said, how speakably wonderful to know that all our concerns are held in hands that bled for us like a good shepherd who went before and the, the bear attacked him first. The lion attacked him. He slipped on the, on the edge of the cliff and cut his leg up. And then he pulled himself back up, prepared the way, and he led the sheep through. And all the concerns of the sheep are being led to safely by hands that bled for them. All our concerns are being held by a God who bled for us, who knows, knew what it was like to suffer like us. That's why Hebrews 13 is so good. And I would encourage you to just read Hebrews 13 often. But Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says this, Keep your life from love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear who can, what man can do to me. We have this connected shepherd 
who, who in the hard course has not left us alone. He's right there with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us all the way through. Mary Wilson Hannah said this, your trials, no matter how grueling, are not the evidence of God's absence. They're the very instruments by which God is fitting you, perfecting you for his unmediated presence. That's what God's doing with your trials. If you've come to the end of this year and you're like, what just happened? Or what is God doing this? It's, it's not the absence of God. It's the evidence evidence of God working in your life, fitting you and perfecting you for where he wants you to be. You have a very connected shepherd who's trying to get us where we need to be. He does it in the hard courses of life, but he also does it with the correct equipment. He uses the rod and the staff. And some people want to put those together and think they're the same thing. They're not. There's the rod was this little clubbed thing that they would wear in their belt. So something came, they could attack it. And then the staff is just what it is. It's a staff with a little hook. And so they could stick it in the cave or they could pull the sheep around closer to them and keep them in the path that they were supposed to go. And sometimes the rod and sometimes the staff hurt, don't they? Sometimes the rod hurts when God's been doing things in your life, trying to mold and shape, change things. And you think, how are you connected to me, God? This hurts. But then we got to remember Lamentations 3, 33 says, For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. God doesn't afflict us. God doesn't put you into struggles because he's from his heart of anger or because he wants to hurt you. God afflicts us to help us, to keep us on the path we need to be or to get us to the path he wants us to go. He's very connected. Kenneth Wilson was raised in Pennsylvania and he was an American author and he tells about how they lived in a three-story house. In the bottom, they had a basement, they had a first floor, they had a second floor, some bedrooms, and then they had a third floor. And the second floor, they would rent out to other people. And he was the youngest in the family and so his family lived up on the third floor with a couple of extra bedrooms. It was basically a remodeled attic. And he'd have to go to bed first. And so his parents would send him up to, to bed He'd have to walk upstairs, walk past where the renters live, all the way to the third floor, and get into his bedroom. And he'd hear the creak, and he'd hear the winds, and he'd call his dad. He'd say, hey, he'd want his dad to stay, or he wanted his dad to keep the lights on. So finally, his dad said to him one time, would you rather I leave the lights on and go downstairs, or turn the light out and stay with you? And Kenneth said, I chose presence with darkness over absence with light. And that sometimes may how it may feel, or it may even feel as you enter in this year that maybe God's absent with you. And you want light, but the reality is the darkness may not be absence. In the darkness, God is sitting with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's very near to the brokenhearted. If it's very dark, that means God's very, very close. That's how Scripture describes God. We have a very connected shepherd that will never leave us. He's competent. He's connected. But then it changes in Psalm 23. It's no longer talking about 
a shepherd. It, it talks about a meal, this banquet in verse 5 and 6. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cups overflowing. This isn't a, a shepherd sitting down serving tea to sheep. I mean, there's something different that has changed here. This is a different analogy. It, it's now the, the picture of a host. We have a competent shepherd. We have a connected shepherd in God, but we have a conquering host in God. This is what this picture is of. This is a picture of a, a a host out in the de- in the desert who's very protective back in those times if someone came into your tent or into your house you were responsible to take care of them and the people that would be out in the desert running around uh, running from people would be people probably who were guilty of something there was a thing called blood revenge and they would take off running and if, if and people would be chasing them and if the person that was chasing them died well their relative would start chasing them until they died so they had people wandering all over the desert looking for some safety looking for some protection and they would come to the tents of shepherds And hospitality was such a huge thing back then that if someone entered your tent, you were fully responsible for the safety of your guest and taking care of them. This is why that passage in Luke chapter 11 seems so odd to us. The guy who's sleeping and his neighbor comes, knocks on his door, and he says, hey, I've I've had a friend of mine arrived on a journey, and I need some bread and he, he's knocking and knocking and knocking. Why doesn't he just say, go to some other house? Because his friend who arrived on a journey, he is now the host. He's responsible to take care of him. He's got to feed him. What follows people? What follows you into 2021? For, for most, much looks the same. But what, what, what often follows us that's chasing us is these these enemies of sins of our past or present temptations or future fears and we're running around trying to figure out where are we going to where are we going to land on this who's going to help me with these things we can we be like we're wandering in the desert with all this past guilt or these present temptations looking for a place where we can find some peace and, and psalm 23 says there is a great host for that that there is a host who, just like shepherds, is unbelievably responsible for his sheep, so is the host who's unbelievably responsible for those who come in, even with all their problems, even with all the dangers, even with all their enemies around them trying to get them. But the host is going to protect the person in his house. He's going to prepare a table before him in the presence of his enemies. He's going to anoint his head with oil, his cups going to overflow. What's that, what's that mean? I think what happens in this is they, there's, there's this transformation that takes place. The troubled traveler finds a place of peace and rest. And in that process of receiving grace and being given grace, it, it transforms him. The table changes him. The cup changes him. I mean, this is the beauty of communion. When we gather with communion like we did on Thursday, it's, it's not just a little thing. It's transformative. It's a reminder that we're coming as wandering, de- deserted sinners to a place of safety, who is someone who is a conquering host for us, and he gives us a table, he gives us a cup, and we are recipients of his grace. 
Because then goodness and mercy follow me. I mean, before this, I've been traveled by past guilt, sin, fear. And now what's following me is goodness and mercy. My cup's running over. It's like just this, a deluge of blessing over and over and over again. And it doesn't just happen for a day. It says it happens all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's the good shepherd of Psalm 23. He's the focus of Psalm 23. It's, it's not the sheep. It's a picture and a point of God. But Jesus also took that same picture. And he said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In John 10, 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. It's a place of unbelievable rescue. I don't know if you're a football fan at all, but Urban Meyer, who was the coach for the Jacksonville Jaguar, had a terrible year. Started his job in the spring, was fired about two weeks ago. Terrible year if you followed the story. And he hates to lose. And he hates to lose. And he will say, losing eats your soul. You know where Urban Meyer got that? He got that from a father who would tell him all the time, you're not good enough, Urban. You gotta win. You gotta win. You gotta win. That was so pressed in Urban Meyer that even today, he still struggles with it. And when he loses, he just said it last week, there's something about losing that eats away at your soul. And he feels that way because his life was painted by the supposed shepherd of his life that told him that, and he's never gotten over it. That's not what God says for us. He is our good shepherd. He cares for us. He hears our voice. He takes us in. This is what I encourage you to do with Psalm 23, is pile it up. Pile it up. Spend time reading it. Read sources about it. Read uh, what the Bible says. Pile it up in you. Pack it with you and then promote it through you. Because 2022 is going to be filled with rocks, bears, lions, cliffs. But it's also for the Christian going to be filled with a competent God, a committed God, and a conquering host who's leading us to where you, he wants us to go. There's an old hymn that says, called the king of love is my shepherd. The king of love my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth nether. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ alone, the good shepherd of your soul, for the end of this year and the beginning of next year? And when the bears and the rocks and the caves and the cliffs come, and it's very dark, where are you going to turn? Are you going to run away from the shepherd? Or are you just going to sit and settle and realize he's with me? He'll never leave me, nor will he forsake me. Trust the shepherd. Let's pray.